we're so grateful you guys to have Mr. Scott Evan Davis. He is a multi-award winning composer and lyricist based in NYC. Um, Scott has performed concerts of his music even at Birdland Jazz Club in New York, the Kennedy Center in Washington, D.C., as well as he's performed in London, Dublin, Australia, and all around the U.S. He's released some really great music, and I really want to talk about his debut album, Cautiously Optimistic, and he's award-winning and a great soul, and we're so grateful to have him to be a part of Black Canvas today. How you doing? I'm doing great. <laughs> <laughs> that was that was nice to hear it all. <laughs> God, it's so weird to listen to it all. You're like, how many more things? I... <laughs> wow. <laughs> I was just taking notes of what to take out. No, I'm kidding. Um, you know, because you don't really think about all that stuff sometimes. You know, your life sort of moves on and you just sort of go through your days and do your work. And it's just sometimes you don't think about it all in one paragraph. Right. I'm just I'm just so grateful that you're part of this. And Scott and I have been kind of interacting back and forth, and I'm just so glad schedules have lined up for him to be a part. So I want to first kind of kick off with the first question of when did you first realize that you wanted to be a musician? Around what age? I mean, that's a really great question. And it's an interesting answer only because um, it's not what you would kind of think. Like when I was 11 years old, I had like a one workshop in school. Yeah, back in the day, you had a a day of workshops and you can choose if you wanted to do pottery or if you wanted to do music, if you wanted to, you know, something. And I chose music. And I remember a teacher stood in front of this blackboard and she said, you know, uh, there's eight notes on the piano and they just keep repeating themselves, you know, A, B, C, D, E, G, A, B. And she kind of plumped all them out. And she said, so there you go. You know how to play music. You, you, there's only eight notes and that's, that's all it is. And that literally was the, <laughs> the 45 minutes that we had with her. And I went home and I just got really obsessed with it. And I sort of, I've never had a piano lesson, but I taught myself to play the piano starting at age 11. I never wanted to write music. I never had any aspiration. I was an equity actor for a long time. My, my whole life was singing and performing and I thought I wanted to be on Broadway and, you know, I, I was a professional actor till I was about 30. You know, I'm going to be 44, I think, in two weeks. And, and I didn't write my first song until I was about 30. And that came out of a very interesting situation because I had a, it literally happened in a dream. And if you want to know about it, I'm more than willing to tell you about it. But I didn't really grow up wanting to write. But I did start playing the piano and whatnot at like age 11. Oh, wow. And I think that's great. My grandmother, um, um, she's passed away since um, 2008, but she also was self-taught and she taught herself how to play the piano. So I remember growing up um, in church and just witnessing just how she could just just play by ear and was really great at just being improvising. And I think like that's a great quality to have, like you said, to be able to pick it up so quickly. Well, and it's so interesting because my obsession was with learning how to read music. Like to this day, I'm not great at sitting at the piano and just improvising and, mm-hmm. you know, I don't have any jazz training. And I just am so impressed with people that can do that. But I was obsessed with The Wizard of Oz. I would watch it like eight times a day back when I was 11. And my father at the time, you know, heard me playing and he was like, do you want me to go to the store and see if we can get you sheet music and you can start like learn how to play some of these songs? And I thought that was such a great idea. And he went to the music store and he came back that afternoon with like the actual score, the um, professional kind of, you know, not, you know, like really hard sheet music. It wasn't easy piano or anything. And I didn't know what I was doing. And when he realized that 
he kind of said, no, I'm going to go back and return it and go get some easy shit. And I screamed, I was like, no, I want to learn from that. And I kind of, that's how I learned how to play and, and read music is, is playing the Wizard of Oz score. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's cool. And that just kind of yeah. goes back to just like, Music in general is such a has healing properties and just being able to hear music Absolutely. And, and be able to evoke a certain emotion in that moment. And I think that just shows you how creative you can be, um, being able to even use sheet music and be able to learn how does this make me feel in the moment and how can I actually teach someone an experience through my song. And also being not only a lyricist, so that's something that you've, of course, been able to learn more about in your career. But is there one song that really stands out to you that you wrote? You're like, wow, I can't believe I wrote these lyrics to this song. I mean, that's an interesting question, too. I I think my answer is going to be different than depending on how sort of like what perspective I have on it. If you ask me, like, what song of mine can I sit back and say, wow, I can't believe it's done what it did. Then I have a song called Mm -hmm. If the World Only Knew that I've written that. I would say is that um, if you're asking, is there one song just like artistically craft wise, lyrically, whatever it is that I'm most proud of. Um, it's a song that nobody has heard yet, but it's in a show I, I, I'm developing called Indigo and it's called silent superhero. And it, it's just, that is something that I would say, okay, that is, I think to date, maybe my best lyric writing or something like that. So it's interesting, but I think my favorite, like the, wow. the thing that I can sit back and say, I can't believe you know, I guess I have a lot of those moments sometimes, but if the world only knew is, is definitely one. Do you mind if I share a, a interesting fact that maybe, maybe a lot of our listeners might not know, but you, no, you actually no. won the ASCAP award for that zone. I did. In 2016. Did. <laughs> yes. So I think, I, I think that's amazing. <laughs> I mean, when you think about it, that's one of the biggest honors for, especially for a writer, um, but you won that award and you've also won the Courage in Theater Award um, for your original musical, Power Day, correct? Powerful, Powerful Day. Day. And it was, um, yeah, MTI gives a Courage of Theater Award um, every year. And that particular year, it was, I wrote um, Powerful. I was hired, I was working as a teaching artist for a company called Arts Connection. And I got a call from the project manager saying, hey, there's this job you want to come in and interview for. They need a composer. And it's, it's it was 10 um, autistic students down in the Lower East Side. And they wanted, you know, they'd been doing other shows or whatnot. And they wanted to sort of write their own show about their own experiences. And so they wanted a composer. And really I, I went in and I, and I interviewed, I ended up getting it. And the very first day that I sat down with them to sort of talk to them with a notebook and pencil and like, just have an open dialogue of what they wanted to write about, you know? Um, and uh, the song, if the world only knew came out of that discussion, I think I wrote it over the weekend, showed it to them on Monday. And then that, we wrote powerful day sort of around it. And that was their original musical, but it did win the MTI courage and theater award because, you know, just of the, the content of was about bullying and how they just wanted to be seen as, as, as humans, you know, anyway. So that was, that was an incredible experience too. I was, um, it, it led to a documentary that I'm in about those kids. It's called spectrum of hope. It's uh, it's free to watch online, but MTI, the, the musical theater international produced it. And we flew to Atlanta. We performed for 5,000 people. It was such a great experience, but watching that documentary is really uh, important to me too. Oh, wow. I think that's great. I'm definitely going to check that out. But I wanted to learn more about Indigo. Can you kind of explain to the listeners um, what that stands for and what, what you're actually doing as relates with the word Indigo? I kind of looked up some of it, but I wanted to kind of explain that for the group. 
So absolutely. Um, Indigo sort of came out of my experience working with, with, with those kids. Um, working with the autistic population became a huge center of my life for a lot, to this very day. Um, I work for a company called Epic Players. It's a neurodiverse professional theater company here in New York. We're doing a show at Lincoln Center next weekend. And um, it's just been a very important part of my life. So Indigo sort of came out of me wanting to write a full show. I hadn't written anything other than individual songs. I released two albums and I was doing a lot in cabaret and, and the New York sort of cabaret scene and stuff like that. And I wanted to really write a book musical. And I just was very drawn to a story. And I, I, I started just obsessively like writing outlines for it. And the word indigo is, you know, it, it, the color itself is, is enlightenment, is awareness, is all these sort of great things, you know, energetically. But more importantly, I wanted to write about a girl who was nonverbal, autistic, but also had synesthesia. Now, synesthesia is um, where you sort of see sound and color, uh, sound as color patterns. Um, so when you hear music, um, it, 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 you know, you see it as, as patterns of color. And it's sort of common, um, uh, you know, um, uh, with autistic individuals, it's not something everybody has, but my character, I wanted to have that. And I wanted to write a show about somebody who was nonverbal, but who could, you know, when they sang and when they expressed and all of these things, you know, the audience could get an inside view. Um, but Indigo is actually about this girl, Emma, but also uh, her grandmother who is suffering from dementia. And there's a lot of, of sort of just you know, uh, a deep dive into psyche and, and, and where reality exists and things like that. But because this character was, has synesthesia um, and she thinks in anagrams, so she thinks of words and letters and patterns and she jumbles mm -hmm. them up and that's sort of how she makes sense of it for herself. And Indigo came out of that because it's the color of her calm. And actually on the poster, um, it says Indigo, a calm unwise and a calm unwise is actually an anagram for a new musical. A little tidbit of information there. <laughs> that is awesome. I Thanks. love that. And I'm, I'm so grateful when you said about dementia. Um, my grandmother um, passed away from um, the effects of dementia. And just being aware of just seeing someone, being a caregiver for as many years as I was a caregiver and just seeing that experience. And when someone loses track of their senses, being aware of things and who you are, like she forgot at a certain point who I was. And that's just something you just, you never want to go through that experience. Mm. But I think a lot of people forget about um, the caregivers. It's like the five stages of grief. And I know recently Dr. David Kessler added a sixth stage, which is called meaning. And um, a lot of times you go through that denial stage, the anger stage, the bargaining, like bargaining almost with your higher power. If you have that belief system, how can you, you know, can you save her or help get her back to some sort of normalcy? And then people go into depression and acceptance is one of the hardest stages to to get to because you're trying to accept that this is where I am and this is the reality of life. But it's almost like, what do I do with this? Um, and a lot of people struggle. We call like survivor's guilt of, you know, being left here, not knowing what to do with that emotion. So I think, yeah. It's interesting that you should say all of that because I, um, a few years ago, I won a Mac award. It's, it's like a songwriting award for a song about dementia that I, that I wrote it. You may, I would love to draw your attention to it. Not today, but if you were on your own time. I think I know that it. one. Is it before I forget? Uh, yeah, it is. Okay. Yes. 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 
It's a great. You're song. on it. Good for you, <laughs> Scott. I'm a fan. <laughs> Good for you. But yeah, that that I wrote that song about um, about that as well. It's, it's actually I rewrote I reworked that song lyrically and I put it. It's it sung. It's in indigo, and then it's sung by the, the the grandmother to the daughter. But it's a horrible thing. It's a horrible, horrible thing. It is, but it's it's one thing that it it taught me in that moment of being grateful. And a lot of times you'll hear people say, I'm, pr- uh, yeah. I have, I'm proud of myself. And with every success I've had in my career, I always say it's important for me to be grateful for the success that I have, but for other people to be proud of me. And I think like when you start to look at life itself, and I think mm-hmm. we're all interconnected in different ways, but it's about the connections and how you leave someone and the experiences you actually can build in that relationship. I think it's more than any money that you can, can have. And, I completely agree. And so that's why I love connecting with you guys, especially with you, Scott, because just learning more about your background, listening to your music, and you're reaching hundreds of thousands of people. I know through TikTok, that's something that you're like, what is TikTok? Like many of us, like... In December, I didn't know what it was. (laughs) But you've already done great. You've done an amazing job with that. I mean, I think it was at over 235,000. Am I correct? Yeah, I think it's like something like that, 236, 35. I think it just hit 236. But I didn't wow. even start it because of my music, which is the funniest thing. <laughs> I mean, I just I just I just say jokes and like say funny things on there, you know. But my goals, my goal was to sort of just say, you know what, let's just do something that is fun. You know, I like to laugh, I I, I like sarcasm and all that stuff. And let's just do something where it's not about anything else other than just making people maybe chuckle for a second. And if by doing that, I can get people to sort of learn about me or who I am or whatever, great. And then maybe I can talk about my music or other things that I do. And that's actually what's happened. Um, and that's like, I just wrote a song on a, on a, you know, two weeks, I go live every morning on TikTok from 9 a.m. to 10 a.m. And I wrote a song in front of people. Like I just sort of brought people into me sitting at the piano to like write a song and and I just released it as a, my first pop single <laughs> a couple, two weeks ago or a week ago. But I mean, you know, TikTok has been amazing. Um, wow. You know, um, a, a few incredible things have come from it so far. I think that's great, Scott. And I always say that we have different vehicles that we have to sometimes use in order to reach an audience. And um, like with me, I've written books and um, I know that doing the podcast is really help people to understand the different sides of me um because when i write i write a lot Mm -hmm, different than i you know can emote and speak and when i connect with other people like it's 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 very similar to like almost being a chameleon at times you have to be able to be on the fly with any conversation different artists and adapt to whoever you really do and it's just sometimes you're like whoa like i didn't even know i had that power within me to to connect in that way but i think it also helps you to build genuine relationships with others and i think that's what your music has done for me but i think it can do that for so many people for sure thank you so much i really do appreciate that absolutely so can we talk about cautiously optimistic can you kind of tell us where did you come up with the title and some of the songs on that album okay do you really want to know (laughs) i really do listen I (laughs) i have i you know uh, and I do apologize if, apologize if there are sirens in the background. I'm, I am in New York City. I can't control it. Um, it's okay. <laughs> but so that is a really, really interesting question. And I'll try to be as brief as I can. But the idea of cautiously optimistic. See, I think I told you I didn't have any interest in writing up until I was about 30. So I was in, I went to Emerson College in Boston for 
study acting to musical theater, transferred to American Musical and Dramatic Academy, Hamden, here in New York. And I have been on my own for a very long time, you know, just in, just on, in life. You know, I've, I've just financially and just, you know, I, you know, not that I don't have support for my family and I do I have an incredible family, but just situationally, I've just been, you know, on, on paving my way for a very long time on my own. And when I got to college, you know, I was working two jobs and I was, you know, doing a double and I was retired. And my teacher at the time really saw something special in, in, in me, I guess, and saw that I was struggling and, and that there was so much more there. So long story short, he took me to lunch and it just turned out that we ended up having a great mentorship together. But, you know, he was suffering from terminal cancer at the time that I met him. And I knew that. And we, you know, he confided in me certain ways. Mm-hmm. I ended up being sort of a caretaker for him and in exchange, very Tuesdays with Maury. I don't know if you remember that book, but this is like really, I feel like I lived it because mm-hmm. he was really coaching me on, on songs and acting and, and nothing to do with writing performing and I was with him for about a year very closely you know if he got sick I would help and then um, me being a kid I was 19 I ended up moving to Boston to go work in finance I was a mutual fund investment specialist for a year or two and I sort of gave up theater and sort of broke his heart Um, he passed away before I could ever really connect with him again. And, and, and I did go back to theater, but, you know, he had passed away. And I sort of felt very unresolved. Well, flash forward years later, I'm 30 years old, I'm in an off-Broadway play as an actor, right? I was in... Is that the play called Joy, I believe? You're kidding me. How did you know that? Yes. Is it Joy? That. How did you know that? I'm just kidding. Um, yeah, it was called Joy. You're good. Um, it was it was a small off Broadway thing, but you know, I was an actor, and that's what I was doing. And I had a dream. I don't remember what night it was, but I went home one night. I was in the show. I was really miserable at that time in my life. It was a real low point, just for a lot of reasons. Which is so ironic to be in a show called Joy and be like literally the most miserable <laughs> you've ever been in your life. Um, and so I went home and had a dream. And in the dream, like, and I'd never had a dream about him before. But in the dream, um, he was in my dream and he was sitting on a park bench and he was really healthy looking, young and had his hair. And it was just really this beautiful thing. And he had his arms outstretched. And in the dream, I, he wanted to hug, like I hugged him. And I felt really warm and cozy and it was just such a beautiful feeling. And about a couple seconds into it, it got like scary and the hug became real tight and I couldn't breathe. And I didn't know if he was forgiving me or if he was angry at me. I did in the dream. I didn't know. I just knew that like I was getting scared because I couldn't breathe. And that eventually woke me up and like, you know, kind of thing in the middle of the night. And I just sort of processed what I did. I went back to sleep, woke mm-hmm. up the next morning, didn't really think about it, but I did remember that while he was hugging me, or at least at the start of him hugging me, he was humming a melody. And it was... Such a strange little dissonant thing. But he just kept doing it over and over. It didn't go any more than that. It was just that. Mm -hmm. And it sort of wouldn't leave my brain. And remember, I played piano since I'm 11. Never thought about writing. It wasn't what I was doing. I was acting. And I just couldn't get out of my head. And I literally had to sort of go home that afternoon and sit at the piano and plunk it out. And I just completed it. And it's a song called Cautiously Optimistic. And that was my first song I ever really wrote. And then I, one thing led to another and I started 
writing more and going out and playing for people. And then I got someone to produce the first album and I called it Cautiously Optimistic and dedicated it to Brian. And I just, that has literally been what I've been doing ever since. Ever since I'm very, I never really acted, never did anything up until TikTok and putting myself in front of people and being funny or whatever. I never, there was no performing anymore. It was just writing. And I've been way more successful and fulfilled doing that than anything. So, I mean, you tell me, was he giving me a sign? I don't know. Hand to God, like, it couldn't have been more true of a story. So, whatever happened, it sort of did change the path of my life. I love that, Scott. <laughs> and I, I, I mean, the, the most important part of that is just that that finding your purpose too, because a lot of times in our journeys in life, we we go through many twists and turns and we're introduced to people for a reason and sometimes even for a season. And in those Absolutely. experiences, like it teaches you how to love, it teaches you how to, to um, know how important life is and, and experiences are. And I think like from a young guy at 19 years old, going through something like that, that can be one of the most traumatic things of how can I be there for someone else? And like I said, you and I have so much in common when it relates to just, putting yourself on your life on hold sometimes, or even trying to pursue things and having regrets at times, like that's the right thing. How do I make up for it? I, I kind of want to give you something that helped me that this might be something if you ever want to do it in the, in the future, but it's something I've actually used and it's helped me to work through a lot of my issues as it relates to that. So what I've done in the past is like write a letter to myself. So I've done like a future letter and then I've written a letter to individuals. And then I put the date of when I'm going to open the letter. And then I chose one of the dates. It was like with my grandpa when he passed. And he's one of the closest people in my life. And it's been now, it's been 18 years. And I always go back to when I wrote that letter and I gave myself a specific time to read it, that that was a way of me giving back to him. And then I could actually look at more of the positive instead of the fact that he wasn't physically there. And it's also something that just reminds me of how far I've come in my emotions today than where I was years ago. And that I think even when you think of like future goals, like when you do vision boards or, you know, if you have mantras that you recite each day, like that's a way to keep you centered and grounded. But it also just shows you of how far that we can we can expand our brain and, and actually reach our full potential. And I feel like that's one thing I was so excited to talk to you is because you gave so much into your lyrics and so much into your experiences, but you still know how to have fun and just be able to still live your life and, and be a genuine person that people can connect with. And Well, thank you. I just try not to take it all so seriously. I think he, the human can, like, I think as a writer, and by the way, the, the letters and what you were talking about, I think that's beautiful. I'm definitely going to try that. Um, I, I think that humans are interesting. <laughs> and I think as a writer, you have to constantly evaluate human condition and, and just behavior. And you become sort of fat. It's like the ultimate people watchers. You become fascinated with what makes people, you have to put yourself in other characters or people's perspectives so often and in their shoes that you have to learn how to think and, and, and look at things from such a different perspective. And I think that's what I love most about writing is it's just the feeling of saying, okay, well, listen, I've never lost any kind of dementia and I, and I have, you know, in this whatever, but for this character, I don't have to think like that for at least a three minute song. I have to. And if I don't think about them, how can I write a beginning, middle, and end? Mm-hmm. How can I write their journey, their wants, or be specific? And I think that that is sort of what's been fascinating about just 
you know, humans in general. But because of that, I really try not to take it all too seriously, and I like to laugh and, and just, you know, you know, it make make light of things as much as possible. Because, and you know, maybe it's a deflection too. I don't love things when they get too serious in my personal life. You know, I don't love that. Who does? But some people really can go there, and I have a hard time going there. But I think I can with my music, but yes. yeah. I definitely have walls and, and, and sort of deflect with humor a lot to sort of lighten the mood. Mm-hmm. And that's one thing with me, Scott, like in my career, I have to always be careful because, you know, working in, as a counselor can be really difficult um, full time. And then you, you hear so many different things. And like I said, my whole thing is, is that I want to make sure when someone leaves me that they leave with an experience knowing that I was genuinely not only there to support them in their, their life and in and, and their careers and in their, their help them work through some past traumas and experiences, but that my main goal is to just make sure that they are equipped with tools that they can use to apply in their daily living. But it can be taxing emotionally, you know, when you hear a lot of things or you experience it with them because you're trying your best, you know, to be there to kind of protect and shield certain aspects, but also to not hold their hand through everything because then they need to learn you know, how at a certain point when they have to break free from the relationship with you and move to another direction that they are equipped and knowing that, that you are not going to be like their safety net. So it's just, it can so be really interesting yeah. because, uh, you know, I'm not a counselor, but I am, you know, the other part of my life is I'm a voice and piano teacher and I have students every single week and I see privately, um, virtually now, but working mm-hmm. with them through the pandemic and just sort of through the emotional chaos that we've all sort of been churning ourselves through for, for the past couple of years has been really interesting because, you know, I then become that, like, you, you know, you're, you have to impart something, you have to sort of take them from one place to the next through a journey of their own pain. And as kids, you know, it's really interesting sometimes and it's, and it's really fulfilling to do it through music or piano or also and, and imparting my passion and love of music and the teachers that were so important to me and, and things like that and really being able to sort of pass that on to as many people as possible because that makes me feel like I've had a purpose. and I love that Scott and like I said that just shows another side to you when we talk about creativity that it's not necessarily just about writing music at times, but it's about, like I said, you're teaching them in a new way of experiencing life. And like I said, anyone who knows anything about autism or autistic spectrum disorder and understanding more about it, I think like even through your play, through other vehicles, you can still be able to express and emote your experiences with it and how other people can view it because there is a huge stigma when it just comes to illness in general. What if it's mental, physical, emotional things that people struggle with people do have they stigmatize individuals without really getting to know the purpose or a way of understanding someone for their struggles and their experiences so i'm absolutely and what's been what's been fascinating is because you know i do um i work it up with players and i do certain things but you know as a private teacher i teach you know everyone uh, no matter you know i i do have students they're autistic i have students love students that aren't and um, adults and kids and, and teenagers and someone in their 60s. And it's, and it's interesting because what I love most about it is how alike and similar 
everyone is as a human and, and what their emotions, how you process it, how you like work through and exist in your own life with all of that is one thing. You know, that's what makes us all individual. But just the core emotion of everything is the same. And it's such an interesting, interesting thing to sort of just work with people on any level when you're trying to sort of teach them one-to-one. And, and I, I think I just look people. You know, it's so funny because my content is all about not liking people. <laughs> it's all about like, you know, how, how silly we all can be and making fun of how silly we all are. But I actually really do love people. And, and I find humans very fascinating. <laughs> And we love you, Scott. Like I said, everything that you've done in your career, and I know your career is going to only go up from here, and more people oh, are going thanks. to, more people are going to really get to know who you are. I think TikTok is definitely going to be a way for you to really connect. But once people really start getting to, to research your music and know the intent of the lyrics that you shared and, and the, the impact that you're going to really build on the, the younger generation, as well as some of us who are a little older and being able to understand and value you know, not only classically trained music, but operas and and um and and different types of genres of music that can so still nice. be incorporated and people can still get the same message. So I'm just grateful to have you a part. And I want the, the listeners if they can you can tell them where can they find you as far as like if it's Instagram, Twitter, um, Snapchat, if you have any of those, you know, handles that we can kind of share it with the listeners. I think I have a few. Um, no, it's really, you can find me anywhere just uh, using at Scott Evan Davis. That's pretty much my handle everywhere. Um, Instagram, TikTok. I'm very rarely on Facebook, so don't find me there. But, you know, Instagram, TikTok, that's about it. I'm really not on Twitter. Um, and if anybody wants to, you know, I just released this um, song last week called Falling Every Day. And it's my first sort of pop kind of style thing. I got interesting thing how that all happened but you know it's available everywhere um digitally that you can listen to things spotify and things like that so i would love people to listen to that because it's all about sort of how based on everything else that i've told you my imposter syndrome and my level of like self-esteem sometimes is very really you know very real um you know limited <laughs> at times so that's sort of why i wanted to write that song well, we're so grateful, Scott, to have you here. And I would love if you would like to, in the future, come back and kind of share your experiences. I think like this really, is, it was life-changing for all of us to hear from your perspective. But I think like it's going to help people to really understand that, you know, at, at any experience, any age, we can we can do anything we put our minds to. And it's more about just having the self-will and the confidence and being able to kind of understand the journey as we go through. And that. That's important. One thing I'll just say to chase on that is also that you can manifest anything you need. I mean, you know, and that's sort of, that's sort of a takeaway. It's just, there's, you have to just work towards what you want and just not give up and be persistent because, you, you know, things always find a way, find a way if it's supposed to happen. It's supposed to happen. So. That, that's right. And Scott, I just did an interview a little earlier today and, and I had another guest who talked about manifesting her journey so mm. that I'm just so glad I mean it's, it's a message to hear and she talked about manifesting yeah. having kids and and w- when she was on yeah. a, a show um and she was able to have her wedding done at the same place where she was a contestant and how everything she she prayed for it and asked for it and it all happened the way she, it, it, it was supposed to so I think like mm. there, it's, it always goes back into I don't I don't believe that we meet people just 
in passing for no reason. Like we really do get connect and build relationships for a purpose. And I'm just so grateful that I've connected with you and absolutely me too. And I would love to have you back for sure. Anytime you let me know. All right, Scott. So normally (laughs) when I end um, each episode, I end with my phrase and I say, let's remember you guys to embrace our uniqueness because the world is our canvas. Um, So we're grateful to have you here and a part of the black canvas family. And I hope you have a great day. I had such a great time. Thanks so much. All right. Yes, sir. Thank you. And we will talk soon. Okay. Take care. All right. Bye, Scott. Bye. I'm not